that Cap Bailey? Is that Frank Cifaldi? Yes, it is. Hi. Hey. I like to surprise Frank by not letting him know who the guest is. Yeah, I never know who the guest is until I'm here. It's your old pal, Cap Bailey. (laughs) It is. My former boss, former editor. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah, that's that's kind of true, yeah. Yep. It's, it's literally true, I guess. Yeah. It is literally true. Pat, let me give you my spiel. Welcome to the show. Uh, if you feel like saying something, but we won't shut up, just talk over us and our editor will sort that out. Uh, similarly, don't be afraid of like awkward silences while you think of something to say because our editor can sort that out too. They, they can't hurt you. Okay. I, I thought you were just t- telling her not to be like socially scared by awkward silences. Yeah, in general, that that's good general advice. That's when you know someone's a friend is when you can just be quiet together. Mm. Oh, I have no friends. <laughs> <laughs> what a revelation. Oh, very funny. I want Klonoa. This is episode 287 of the Insert Credit Show, a podcast where a panel of experts must address a sequential series of video game topics and get to the point or face a horrible buzzer. I'm Alex Jaffe, and a video game item I never buy is any kind of potion that only restores your magic points. Oh, that's weird. Uh, I'm Frank Cifaldi, and a video game item I never buy. Um, I'm not going to say never, but I, I avoid... Uh, potions because uh, I'd like to believe that the game is designed to where I don't need to cheat, but that's almost never true, so then I end up buying a bunch of potions. But I always try to not buy potions. Right. I want to trust that there's a game design happening here, and then usually I'm disappointed. Uh, I'm Tim Rogers, and a video game item I never buy is... Here's here's a problem. You're talking to a guy who has played uh, over 200 RPGs in the last two years. Uh, for a reason. Uh, there's no umbrella type of item I don't buy. I would just like to say that it sounds like Frank Cifaldi would enjoy playing the Final Fantasy VII Remake on hard mode where you're not allowed to use items and you can only heal using the abilities that are uh, usable uh, with the uh, 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 the ATB bars that you build up by fighting. Yeah, you, you've recommended this uh, to me before, or at least in general, and I think I probably agree it's very fun. It's like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the arcade game with Final Fantasy uh, for PhDs is what it feels like. Is that your answer, Tim? I think that's your answer. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'm saying I, I bought them all. That's valid. I'm Brandon Sheffield, and I don't usually buy items at all in games because I don't tend to. Yeah, do I, it. I'm one of those people that gets scared of using them, and so I, I wind oh, up yeah. having too many. But in Final Fantasy 15, where I was determined to in- enjoy the game despite uh, having no interest in learning <laughs> how to play it, I bought uh, potions all the time because it was easier to spam a potion button than to figure out how to heal with magic or theoretically, uh, th- probably there was a way I never looked and I found mean, there's out. There's a way to do it, I believe. Uh, uh, there's probably, I mean, I would it's assume. It's impossible to articulate in hindsight because. I would uh, assume there's a way. But, that uh, game was a mess. It was designed by some by like a time traveler from 1942 asked <laughs> to design a, a massively multiplayer <laughs> online RPG. That's right, a man- massively multiplayer It's not offline. even massively multiplayer. Yeah. It's not even online. Very weird massively game. Massively single player. Yeah, so usually I don't, but in Final Fantasy 15, I, I bought potions, high potions, all kinds of potions mm-hmm. at the bottom. So anything other than potions is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, and like something I would never buy is like what, eye drops? Cure blindness. Yeah. I, I'm not oh, gonna yeah. any of those status update ones. I would simply ones. not be blinded. 
Yeah, exactly. Or I'll just wait till the till the battle's over and then I'll be fine. Again, I've played more than enough uh, enough JRPGs to know there's a time and a place, and uh, every once in a while you're going to end up buying one of everything in every game. You got to keep your mind flexible. So I've bought them all. If I were uh, from a South American country, I'd be from Guatemala. Uh, nice. That's my joke there. Thank you. It's a good one. Our guest this week is IGN news director and developer of Acts of the Blood God, Cat Bailey. Yes, hello. I also bought a lot of RPG items, but the one that I never buy, I'm actually playing Final Fantasy V at the moment, and I just oh, it's a sweet one. Just unlocked the uh, the ninja class, and I'm being invited. I'm getting a lot of shurikens, being invited to buy various items that uh -huh. can throw, and I'm like, I'm not going to throw items. Then it would be yeah. expended. I don't want to throw items, so I will yeah. not buy them. They're being classified as items as a curiosity of that game. There's no separate tab for them. They're just in there with the potions and the, the ethers. Yes. Well, that's an early 90s inventory design for you. <laughs> yeah, just get it all in there. The garbage bucket style of uh, inventory <laughs> design. It's a little chum bucket of items. <laughs> Frank, yeah. you won last week's episode of Insert Credit. Good for me. Yeah, and uh, the reward for winning is you have to come up with a question for next week's episode. Frank, did you come up with a question? Sure. Great. Let's hear it. Oh, okay. So uh, here on the Insert Credit show, uh, I, I think we basically have a, a consensus here equally among all of us that uh british games suck right right everyone <laughs> oh yeah yeah oi gov yeah yeah okay with the possible exception of sonic r yeah mm, clock okay. is good though well hang on hang on hold those answers because my question is okay genuinely what are some good games that were made by british people we did a whole episode on this we did a best did british games episode frank <laughs> you weren't here frank i wasn't here so uh, why don't you go ahead and recite where was he um i don't know do you think i remember any of these shows i certainly was not look uh this i was playing cannon fodder this morning it was all right that's cannon uh, fodder's that, all right that, yeah that, that's that's where i'm coming no, from, i mean yeah. there's there's some hot ones those those batmans obviously are good yeah that's my other answer. Those are my two. I like any Pickford Bros joint. I like the Pickford Bros. Solar Jetman. I'm a big fan of Equinox, mm. also known as Solstice 2, mm -hmm. which is a game you can't mention without someone Solstice. reciting the name of the composer of the title screen music, um, which everybody, you know, everybody- Is it Tim Fallon? Yeah, we didn't have to say it out loud, but it's that guy. <laughs> oh, I was just, Lord. I was being the guy. About this guy. Oh, Equinox. Oh, great theme song. Game sucks, Tim though. Fallon is cool, though. Yeah, sure, sure. There's nothing wrong with it. The name that came up in my head was just like Nintendo guitar sounds. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah, uh, that's a legacy, Jerry. That's a good one. I, I love I love the Bitmap Bros games, um, yeah. especially Chaos Engine, but um, all all those ones. But some ones that I didn't mention last time are things like uh, Judge Dread on the Genesis is good. Oh yeah, that Alien Three. On the Genesis and the Super Nintendo, they have like different maps, so they're they're both good in different ways, and, mm -hmm. and they're like super speed roundable games. Those are like the weirder, more uh, not weirder, but the more insert credity I feel because they're they're like less popular choices, perhaps. Obviously, I like Sonic R. Um, Sumo Digital took over the Outrun series. Like those are all good. I don't know. There's there, there's a lot of good British stuff. We 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 like to make in terms fun of, of legacy Brit games. Uh, so first of all, I like Plock, which is SNES. I also mm -hmm. like. Uh, um, I think uh, the early Rareware NES games are good. Like, what, like Snake Rattle and Roll, Battletoads. <laughs> Battletoads <laughs> blows. I hate Battletoads. Yeah. Okay. It is. It I is. I played a lot of Battletoads. I know it's not a great game. I beat it. Long ago. Yeah, yeah. And uh, that's why I'm a loser now. 
That's why <laughs> that's why I've got nothing left. But it was on the cover <laughs> of Nintendo Power. It was. And, it had its own like comic and everything. Everything else. It was, yeah. it was it was it was the predecessor to Bubsy, I find, where it's just oh, like Oh, Bubsy's much worse than Battletoads. Ooh, really? I think yeah. Bubsy I'm is I'm not talking about game quality. I'm talking about marketing. I'm talking about preemptive PR. With these video game magazines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In terms of uh, they, they were slipping the, the muffins under the table, the free muffins and they coffee. They were slipping the toad, if you know what I mean. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, man, slippy toad. Yeah, good. Uh, speaking of Brit games, uh, Argonaut, they're mm. British, aren't they? Star yeah. Fox. I know Star yeah. Fox is a British game, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Croc, Legend of the Gobos. Yeah. Well, Croc. Well, Star Fox would be a British game if there were no characters in it. It's true. If it were just that, like, that's exactly it. That's like Donkey Kong Country is not like a pure rare game. Yeah. You know, like like it, it would be like you're dismissing the Miyamoto uh, uh, touch on these things if you're saying they're purely British. The Star Fox Adventures, not British. Dinosaur Planet, British, right? <laughs> right? I think like if you want the quintessential good Brit games, I'm talking about Slalom by Rare. You ever play Slalom? Wow. Uh, that's yeah. a that's a Brit game, dude. And that's slalom. That's rare. That's Nintendo. That's beautiful 60 FPS. Uh, delicious simplicity. Just a, just a beautiful video game. It's just uh, I don't know. I love it. Highlander on the Jaguar CD. Obviously, that's one. You ever see the like. arcade cabinets with the with the with the skis? Oh yeah, oh yeah. A Cobra Triangle is another one. Another rare uh, NES game that I think is legit good. RC Pro Am. Those are Brit games in that uh, the personality is uh, only uh, evident in intrusive uh, user interfacial uh, uh, interjections, you know. Uh, and when it when it appears, it's like a what slalom? Why why the guy got such a big butt? Right? What's with that face, man? Yeah, that's right. Right? Yeah. And then you know you play something on the old Amiga games, uh, romanticized by 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 freaks and fools like cannon fodder. You know, Cannon Fodder is actually pretty legit. You ever play it actually on the Amiga? Uh, I never played it actually on the Amiga, no. Should I? So, uh, you know, map your Mr. Controller to be a mouse. <laughs> oh, yeah. I know, I know how to do that. <laughs> your left trigger uh, is click to move. Your right trigger is shoot. Feels awesome. Um, mm -hmm. And I suspect that a lot of the humor of that game um, is probably lost in the console conversions, including the opening theme song, War Has Never Been So Much Fun, with lyrics. Oh, that's I think good. It's only on the Amiga version. Like, it's much more of a, of a, of a parody. I find on the Amiga, it's much more like dark humor. Like you get some of that in the in the conversions, but uh, go for go for the pure version and, and and appreciate these 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 weirdos. What made Sensible Soccer and then this? Oh, Sensible Soccer is a hundred percent legit. By the way, in case uh, I, I I didn't. And frankly, uh, most of the two thousands era Football Manager games. If you want to get into, uh, frankly, Football Manager is the best sim ever made, and uh, I, I I will hold to that. But people ignore it because of sports. One of these days, I'm going to get really into those. Yeah. And then uh, probably die, hopefully, on a boat. <laughs> there are people from country, small countries in Southeast Asia who will travel to see fifth-tier English soccer teams because they became huge fans of them through Football Manager. Or just through the through the spreadsheets on the screen, yeah. basically. I oh, love yeah, I got to add one more, which is that, insert credit, fan favorite, Dog's Life is also British. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Oh, Croc, yeah. Legend of the Gabos. Right, uh, uh, that's a good one. Uh, what's the one game? There's a game. There's a game called Red Dog. Do you know Red Dog? <laughs> yeah. Do you know this game? I is do. That, is that I a like it. ROM hack of Dog's Life? 
No, no it's, it's, a, a, it's Red it's Dog. It's a Dreamcast game. It's for is the it, Dreamcast. Red is, Dog's it, is, it, is it a ripoff of Clifford? Is it like a Russian no. knockoff of Clifford? Red no. Dog is like, what would happen if uh, Star Fox was about a truck and uh, instead of uh, characters and dialogue, it's uh, inscrutable. It looks like the, a truck that looks somehow like it listens to Ska. I don't want to talk too much <laughs> about this game because it's too important to me. Okay. I like it. Then let's move on. A while ago, we discussed the Jean Dilman of video games because it was recently- Sight and Sound uh, Pole. Yeah. I don't mean to, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Uh, exactly. Uh, the Sight and Sound Pole recently- Just a clown uh, could see where this is collaborated going. Collaborated. Yeah. <laughs> a clown could see where a this is going. A clown with Coke bottle glasses on. Mr. Magoo, the clown could see where this is going. Keep going, though. Let's hear <laughs> Yeah. Well- Let's keep going. Uh, enter British GQ. Uh, Brit GQ. Tried to make their own sight and sound pull, as it were. Hey, was it Britsy Britsy GQ or was it, it was uh, just Britsy, Britsy, Britsy GQ. GQ? Oh, okay. I don't know. What do I know? They drafted a list of the 100 best video games of all time by getting lists from over 200 game developers and journalists and streamers and other personalities. Okay, is, I hope your question is, uh, let's talk about why we don't want to talk about this. Is that the question? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, no, okay, no, no, sorry. What was the question? Sorry, let's hear let's hear what the actual question was about this. What is the inherent difference between trying to do this for games than trying to do this for movies? Why doesn't this work for video games? That's a that's a good uh, a good question to answer with talking about why we don't really want to talk about it, uh, I think uh, in all honesty, yeah. or why I don't want to talk about it. People who watch movies watch lots of movies. People who play video games don't necessarily play a lot of video games. Mm-hmm. Movies are a lot shorter first of all. I looked at that list, and uh, to say I have no comment uh, would be uh, would be an overstatement. So uh, it's uh, first of all, number one question I keep getting asked about that list is, "Were you consulted for the list?" And and the answer is no. And then there's you know the the follow up question, uh, "Why not?" The the, the follow up answer, "I don't know." And then uh, don't snitch tag me on Twitter. Why didn't you consult this guy? You don't have to do that. It's okay. I got my own thing going on, going very well. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm wearing a shirt that's a replica of a shirt Ernest Borgnine wore in a movie. That's how well I'm doing with my own sight and sound. Was it in a, a laser mission? No, it was in From Here to Eternity. Oh. Uh, I wish it had been in Laser Mission. It's not though. not, a, not as, as good as Laser Mission. but Can um... you imagine if your last name was Borgnine, dude? <laughs> Are you a god darn Star Trek god? <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, what's going like, on? No joke, when, when they announced Seven of Nine as the name of a new yeah. Borg, I was mm-hmm. like- The Borgnine? There's there's nine are, boards? are we being earnest here? Like <laughs> oh, very good. <laughs> when I was when I was a, a, a teen child, I was like, come on. Um, but about this dumb list, yeah, you were saying movies are a lot shorter than video movies games. Movies are a lot shorter, yes. so you can you can you can consume a lot more of them. I know this to be true because I watch a lot of movies as well, and it's so much easier to do that than mm-hmm. you know. I'm trying to play Wild Arms right now, and that's uh, about forty hours. That's gonna happen to me, and uh, I will have had about the same impression after forty hours as I've had now after the first three more or less but, um, I, i've got to say i'm a little uh, a little delighted to see breath of the wild uh, at number one after my very long pure podcast yeah, content yeah. monologue in a previous about episode how it soon about be. how we need to dethrone ocarina of time <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> and uh they god darn did it you know god darn statue of liberty on the beach planet of the apes they god darn did it i was actually con- uh consulted for this uh, oh list. i bet you uh. were let's what, what do you <laughs> What do you got? 
Uh, give us the dirt. I, I don't know. They just said, give us 10 games, basically. I liked a tweet you'd made about it. And then I scrolled into the replies and saw that you had mentioned me by name in a yes. reply without tagging me. And I had never been more <laughs> moved in my life. <laughs> I was very glad to have not been tagged, uh, but to have been mentioned by name and had an art- a, a video linked to. That's how to do it. So thank you very much. You're welcome. Because <laughs> I, I, I had in that video talked about basically this very thing. And I'm glad yeah. somebody uh, cited it. So thank you. Yeah, it was a little frustrating because I I think that it's really imperfect trying to make a, a list like this. And I think the reason is that a lot of the prestige games that people immediately go to are of a certain type. And certain vintage yeah. as well. And a lot of games that are of not that of that type are kind of dismissed out of hand. Yeah. And I cited a few of them. Strategy games. Uh, mm-hmm. Driving multiplayer games. games, arcade games, driving games. Outrun was not on this list. Starcraft was not on this list. Yeah, did you put Outrun on your list? Yeah, that's weird. You put Outrun on yours, right? Did you? I didn't because I thought it was a given. I thought it was a given, Tim. That's how uh, they get you. I was that's, voting strategically. That's how the worst movies win the best picture at the Academy yeah. Awards because of the runoff. That's how mm-hmm. The Last of Us ended up at the top. It was on too many lists. I think if he had said, make your list of 100 games. Yeah, 100. A hundred yeah. games, and I yes, and then you would cross reference it. Yes, it would have been an impossible task, but would have been better. It's the only way that you can really yeah. do a list like this. You can't just ask people to do ten games, and yeah. Also, he said, just put ten games. Uh, figure out what make of this task what you will. And I said, uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> and okay. people are just probably submitting them in alphabetical order or whatever. There's no ranked, right? There's right. no like, no. is there a, no ranked choice? Okay, I mean, you know, I'm not going to make fun of the list. It is cool to have a thing like that and have it mm. in the mainstream press. It's very funny and personally rewarding for me for Breath of the Wild to be at number one after my long uh, speech in previous episodes. It's also very rewarding to see The Last of Us be at number two after my long, uh, <laughs> three-hour-long uh, speech about uh, that, uh, about that very thing. I don't really like The Last of Us. I made a video about it for a specific reason, um, and that was the reason um, was to get it, uh, get it, uh, you know, to just when it's somewhere like that to point to it. That list is very interesting to me. Uh, I scrolled through it. I looked at it. There's like nothing, almost almost nothing from the 80s is on there, right? There's there's barely anything from the 90s. There's too. like three games from before 2000. Yeah. Yeah. One of them was Age of Empires 2. Yeah. One of them was the original Super Mario Brothers, which came in at like 96. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Final Fantasy 6 was on I there. I don't think Pac-Man was on this. Pac-Man no. was not on there. No. Tetris no. is number three. Yeah, where's God Darn Sonic? It's, it was very interesting to see how new all of the games were. It's not the list I would have made. Isn't the Academy Awards like chosen by filmmakers or am I making that up? It's filmmakers and critics. And it's uh, members of the Academy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because by, by choosing, you know, people who are currently like video game tastemakers i just feel like it is very skewed toward breath of the wild being the best game of all time. Yeah. Well, it's not just tastemakers it was like developers influencers okay, it, was, it was some okay okay yeah um, like they asked like half of naughty dog i guess he reached out to <laughs> japanese, japanese developers deve- yeah. as well and did not get a response or it was like we need a year to clear this with legal or right, whatever yeah, which yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. having worked for a couple japanese video game developers uh, in my life i can say that feels a million billion percent correct. I remember the hoops people had to jump through when uh, an interviewer sent questions to Goichi Suda 
like what soccer team do you like right now or whatever and it's like he's just like asking like 18 people to sign off on it like uh it it, it would be very hard given just the way they work uh at a lot of those companies so you're not going to get shigeru miyamoto to submit a list right <laughs> no what would that even look like uh, let me ask my wife is what that list would look like <laughs> <laughs> that's a future question uh for the insert credit shows what would shigeru miyamoto's uh sight and sound poll uh 10 best games let list me tell be? you his games would probably not make this list because they're not they wouldn't be story based because yeah, he that's the thing. Uh-huh. So we we have a problem in and here's here's the fundamental. Here's the actual I believe answer to your question Jaffe uh, because I've thought about this way too long for way too long. The fundamental difference is that in in film genre makes no difference in the experience uh, the the mechanical experience of engaging with the the film in a film you you watch a horror movie basically more or less the same way you watch a love story which is you sit in a chair and yeah. you watch it right whereas with video games there are completely different modes of control uh, settings you put your brain in some require people some famously do not uh, video games run a, a wide spectrum of quote unquote genres we call them genres we should and i believe this is something that some intrepid video game uh reporters and writers should should try differentiating between a genre and a format there's a difference between a genre and a format when we say format it usually means is it on playstation or is it on xbox format is in my opinion in all my videos i i always say genre and and format genre is like fantasy format is action adventure right uh we should use the word format so what we saw was a very restricted focus uh in terms of the format on that list and a lot of it was single player action adventure format games we shouldn't call action adventure a genre in video games right it's not a genre. Sure. Yeah. It's fantasy a, it's, would be the genre of of uh, of Zelda. Re- Zelda. Yeah. Yeah. You're you're not wrong, and I I try to be humble with uh, a lot of these lists because you're right. A, a lot of these games, uh, it is difficult for me to get to the level of true understanding with a lot of these games because mm-hmm. some of these games are just rabbit holes that you go down. Yes. There are people who just only play NetHack, uh-huh. and that Dwarf is their Fortress. thing. Dwarf Fortress. How is Dwarf Fortress not on there? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's completely that's that's ridiculous. I would put Factorio on this list. Like, yeah, Factorio sure. crazies are uh, a different breed. We are double over. I have to say, GQ. If you want a 100 games list, just send me an email. I'll, I'll get it <laughs> okay. for you. While we have the opportunity, and while we're close to the subject, I'd like to address how IGN reviews games. Oh boy, I know those guys. They're one of the few major game news sources that still provides direct numerical score ratings in their game mm. reviews. That's oh, kind yeah, of becoming that's true. That's true. a dying practice. What are the benefits and drawbacks of uh, putting a number on a game? Well, it's funny because Eurogamer just went back to a numbered score system. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. After abandoning it for a while. They abandoned it. You know it. what, guys? I, I have a breaking news as of the recording of this podcast is happening. This is like breaking right now. IGN has given The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom a 10 out of 10. <laughs> oh, there you go. A perfect game. Yeah. Oh, my God. Can't do it better. <sighs> I can't believe it. Tens of the Kingdom. Tom Marks, who reviewed that game, said that he would give it an 11 out of 10 if he could. 
Oh he, no! He liked it a lot. Why didn't you let him? Feels bad. I, I don't. I don't. I don't edit the reviews. That's Dan Stapleton. <laughs> That's the opposite of like ninety nine percent of Yelp reviews <laughs> yeah. that say they would give something zero, zero stars, stars if, if they, they could. could. Yeah. Why are you censoring your reviewers that they can't give their games elevens? I'm not in charge of the reviews, my friend. I, I run the news. <laughs> People love to count how many how uh, many tens out of ten Edge has ever given. Isn't it like twenty four? Why do I know that off the top? I of my would head? send a a terse a tersely worded letter to Dan. Stapleton saying, excuse me, why didn't you let Tom Marks give Tears of the Kingdom an 11 out of 10? Yes. That would have made headlines. Yeah, please write to Tom Stapleton right now. Oh, man, people are (laughs) popping sixes in the user reviews. Of course. We can ignore those, though. Of course. I mean, there's always going to be naysayers. I read read the six that the kids were mad about today, and it was a pretty good review. Go on. Oh, yeah, yeah. I I actually, uh, I skimmed that. I still haven't seen any footage of Tears of the Kingdom somehow. I'm going in fresh. Yeah. I ran a website for a minute, a commercial website. That was a good website. I know that one. And when Eurogamer got rid of their scores at the time, their 10 out of 10 scores, and went to badges, we seriously considered uh, following in their footsteps, because I actually rather liked their badge system. Uh, The way that it worked was they would give just games that they didn't want to necessarily recommend no badge they would give a recommended badge and then they had the editor's choice award and i thought that was a pretty good way of being like uh, this is the stamp of approval on this game um the problem was and i think this speaks to how broken game reviews are in general is that people are focused on the score to the exclusion of any everything yeah oh yeah and you look at metacritic and the way that people talk about metacritic and the scoreboard watching around metacritic Go to a Resetera thread sometime and see people taking bets on what the, the meta score is going to be. And people get legit upset when there's one point below. And if your website is not part of that game, that meta game, I suppose you could say, people just don't pay atten- as much attention to you. And yeah. I don't like that at all. I think that system is really horrible, honestly. But I think that Eurogamer probably saw a measurable traffic drop from going mm. to the badge system because oh, yeah. they couldn't be put into that Metacritic yeah. churn. And even as an independent video game developer, if we don't make it to a Metacritic review rating quickly, it's an indication that the game's just not going to do anything because like it needs you need to have that score like it's it's such a part of the ecosystem at this point. It's like a shaky pillar, but it's a pillar and it's still it's still in there. I was just talking with my publisher about like how we will hopefully get to an 80 metacritic within the first week or else, you know, like these the, it's it's not like tied to any milestones for us like it will be with some other uh companies, but it's like a an indication of how how we can push the game post launch and this kind of stuff. And it sucks, but you know, like I, I did a campaign to try to get more people to review Hyper Gunsport because it doesn't have a Metacritic average. And it's just like it it puts your game like under the radar if you don't care. It ha- it would have an aggregate if it were all for the same platform, but all of our reviews we have like just under four reviews on one platform and then one each on the rest if we combined them all we'd be good but they're not you gotta have four to get the aggregate number it it really reduces games to the level of product review um Mm -hmm. yeah which Mm -hmm. has been a thing that has been something we've all been talking about for a long time and i think that system is more entrenched than ever unfortunately (laughs) i mean i want to answer this from my own experience which is um i was really disappointed I haven't reviewed many games, but I reviewed um, Deadly Premonition for 1UP. 
um, before I worked there properly. And I gave it, uh, we, we did letter grades like you're in school. I don't remember what grade I gave it, but I, I gave it a grade that um, Metacritic interpreted as a number that was well below the number I would right. have given it. Yeah. Uh. And I emailed them and explained, oh, actually, hello, I'm the reviewer. If you want a one out of 100, it would be blank. And they said no. Wow. <laughs> that it has to it yeah. has to adhere to their conversion system. They don't want to have to answer to uh the idiots. Yeah, because like a C is a seven or whatever. Yeah, they they measure the amount of positive adjectives used in the No, it was, it was a number conversion from the letter that they, they decided uh, that yeah. was their formula. It was like yeah. B minus was an eighty. Something yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. Just yeah. imagine imagine a kid who is so has nothing else to do ish that he uh emails metacritic about the score not being right they would rather not deal with him than deal with you yeah in that case and that's really kind of sad so my only point with that is that um if the metacritic score is important to you as an outlet you might want to just give them the literal number frank according to wikipedia you gave it a b Mm -hmm. a b a B, and which I think mm. they well. Should we see? Should we see what they gave it? Yeah, let's Hang see on. what they gave if it. You can find oneup.com. It's uh, yeah, it's I'm excited. Well, it should still be on Metacritic. Uh, they must have changed their number because they have a 75. I remember it being below 70. Wow. Yeah, that's weird. That's very low for a B. Yeah, it says 75 here. Was there an A plus? But I think is that B, a 10? B minus should be. I don't know. I I, I, think, I remember I guess... it not being green, and this is a green 75. Okay. <laughs> I remember being upset because it was a positive review. I it know Metacritic yeah. changed th- where the green was to be to be like 70 and below. Okay. Or sorry, 70 uh. and above. And then and then once you're below 70, or if it's if you're above 70, it's green. If you're at 70 or below, then it's like yellow. Uh, and then below 50, you're red. Anyway, the point like is, that. it was not the number I would have given it at the time. Yeah. So yeah. we don't love numbers, but they are necessary to get attention, is what yep. we're yeah. here. All right. Here's my next question. If ESRB ratings were literal, what games would actually be rated for everyone for teens or mature? Uh, Call of Duty would be rated for teens. <laughs> sure. That's right. Don't most Nintendo games get E for everyone anyway? And I would venture to say that they intentionally That's go after. That's accurate. Yeah, I think yeah. they're going for Families that. at large, so. Wii Sports, E for everyone. Yeah, Wii, for, Wii Sports is the defining E for everyone game. Yeah. By the way, not on that list, the GQ list. I would say that it should Weird. be. Yeah, I'd agree. Oh yeah, for sure. I don't like it, but it's not why really not? Good. It's a good game. I just don't like it. I'm I'm just a we, hater. We're we bowling. All is right, good. I'm, I'm I'm going back to this question. Sorry, part of the reason that nothing old is on there is you can't play anything old. Like uh-huh. uh, it is a problem. That's yes. true. It is it is hard to play stuff that's old. I mean that's that's part of the reason, but I think most of the more of the reason might be that the people asked hadn't played things that are old. That that I think that's a big part of it, yeah. But also they can't, and also they consulted me, but they didn't consult me. Like if they had yeah. come to me and said, "Cat, should Diablo two on the li- be on this list?" I would have been like, "Well, obviously, right." Mm-hmm. That's a top one hundred game. Yeah, it's a good one. It wasn't on the but, list. I mean, not only not only is it hard to get to the old games, also like watching a movie from the thirties and watching a movie from yesterday is kind of the same experience. You just sit uh-huh. down and do it. Whereas like there is a lot of friction to play an old game. Like yes. there's some friction for old game, uh, sorry, for old house. movies, but, um, but well, sure, Brandon, but also like, Oh, if, definitely if I, not that, at my no, house. I, I was being glib. I, I agree with you. I agree with you. But also, I mean, like if you needed to emulate something with a weird arcade controller, you know, that's sure. not, 
the you game, do it. right? Um, Most of the time. Like, mm-hmm. you, you can't play, I don't know, Mad Planets at all. Mad Planets is fantastic. So You can't play Sonic, that spinning one, so- Sega Sonic the Hedgehog? Oh, yeah, oh, that's yeah. true. You don't want to, though. So I kind of okay. do. I know it's bad, but I want to play it. You know, it was at California Extreme one year. You didn't get to play it? I must not have gone that year. Son of a heck. Uh, I played through it. It was terrible. Anyway. Doesn't seem like a good <laughs> we game. We have a monthly episode on our podcast where we examine an RPG and play it, play it over the course of a month and ultimately do an episode about it. And there are some games that are quite difficult to find outside of emulation. Like Skies of Arcadia. We were just mm-hmm. talking about that one. Very mm-hmm. difficult. And uh, whenever whenever you get into a situation where emulation is required, people tend to check out, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Ew. Real shame. That's what they say. They go, ew. Mm-hmm. If you get to a Kodelka episode, let me know. I just played Anyway, uh, what, what was your question? Yeah, so these <laughs> games are not rated for everyone. Or so the question is what point. games should be oh, rated yeah. for what, No, what games would be? If the ratings were literal, what games would be for literal. everyone, for teens, or mature? For mm. everyone. Flappy Bird. Uh, uh, Tetris. Candy Crush. Grand Theft Auto games would all be rated T for teen. Sure. True. Mortal Kombat would be rated T for teen. That delisted game where you have to do your taxes, that would be rated mature. I would venture to say yes. that most games that would be considered big deal this year, uh, Jedi Survivor, uh, Starfield, I-, I would put those in T for teen category. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'd put Starfield in EC, early childhood category, to be honest. Nice. I think an M for Mature game, I, would Disco Elysium be an M for Mature? I, I, I sure. would venture hmm. to say yes. I think so. It, yeah. You have to be able to read, so. Yeah. I, th- I think uh, all, all David Cage games are for mature people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's back. So those games are for everyone. <laughs> there should just be a toddler, like a, a, a an L for losers rating. That would be David Cage games. <laughs> Rated L. Rated L for losers. That would be good. Yeah. You know, I tried to get my game rated EC early childhood because it contained no violence of any kind. Yeah. And the ESRB would not let me. Do you know why? <laughs> why? I feel like I've talked about this before. I mean, I know I have. They would not let us. Do you know why? Are you ready? Yeah. Because my game did not prominently feature any characters visible in cartoon shows on this list of cable television networks. Really? uh, Airing between the hours of 7 a.m. and 3 p.m. or whatever. Like, that was like literally... That's part of it. In other words, the ESRB, again, you give them money. You write down, I promise, it ain't no nudity. I think my game is a T, 14. And they say, okay, you can put our logo on your box. But if you're wrong, we get to kill you, right? <laughs> like It's like, that's basically what you do. They're, they are a guy, not even in a basement. He's in a woodshed. He is not like, not his mom's basement. He's in his dead grandma's woodshed. Right, doing zero work. However cynical you've been about persons who do zero work, that's the ESRB. They are they are they, doing they do, nothing. They do a lot of checking up on stuff. But and oh, we did, that's a robot. We did have an interesting. That's not a real person. Moment where uh, Hypergun Sports rating. We almost got in trouble because we hadn't disclosed. Uh, sexuality because there's there's like two <laughs> pixels of cleavage that you can see uh, oh, yeah. on one lady. <laughs> and it's, 
<laughs> so oh we had to we had to have sexuality because uh, the 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 suggestion of the existence of breasts. <laughs> so my my video sexual. game video ball had to be flagged for cartoon violence, which made me like genuinely uh, lose every single. Ball? Yeah, made me lose every single ounce of disrespect i putting me toward complete apathy for the esrb is they didn't want to be held liable to uh uh someone's mom uh, accusing the game of not having violence on the back when you can fire a projectile at a ball i don't know i'm gonna choose an m i'm gonna say baroque i was trying to Mm -hmm. choose a video game that is like obtuse enough Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. a teen wouldn't be interested in it as I mean, some would, but yeah, there's a I, you may you may underestimate the teens these days. Yeah, uh, Brooks probably not the right answer because teens didn't. these days play some weird, crusty filth in terms of their yeah. video games. Uh, they like some weird stuff. Oh, maybe mature would be like the original Pac-Man or like any arcade game from the '80s because you have to be over forty to like <laughs> to have a to know about it. Skies of Arcadia because you have to be over the age of thirty to uh, have a Dreamcast. Is that the yeah, law? I think that's I think that's the rules. I've got a Dreamcast, and you're over thirty. Play some Red Dog. You know what? Let's take a break. We'll be right back after a quick message. <laughs> This message is endorsed by the Insert Credit Podcast and not the individual panelists. This is the Insert Credit Quick Break. I'm Alex Jaffe, and this week's episode of Insert Credit is sponsored by Sully, a very serious RPG. Sully is a 16-bit style role-playing game that gives the Venture Brothers treatment to the classic JRPG. Made by several members of the award-winning team behind Dungeons of Dreadmore, PC Gamer's Indie Game of the Year in 2011. Sully is set in a world where adventurer is a real profession, where demons conquer the world by corporate tactics, and where you can go to magic school to get a magic job and pay off your magic loans only to ask yourself, after 20 years, where has all the magic gone? Sully looks like Fantasy Star 4 on the streets and plays like Valkyrie Profile in the sheets. Think a little Final Fantasy X, a little Super Mario RPG, and you'll have a pretty nice idea of what Sully's going for. Go to sullyrpg.com steam to wishlist Sully, a very serious RPG, on Steam today. Or go to sullyrpg.com list to join the mailing list. A public demo will be available very soon. That's sullyrpg.com steam and sullyrpg.com list. And if you would like to advertise on Insert Credit, we can almost certainly make that happen. Our rates are affordable, our terms reasonable, and I'm generally pleasant to talk to as the person taking sales. Just email show at insertcredit.com. Welcome back to Insert Credit. Our next question comes to us from previous guest Azure Lore Corrigan, who asks, What medium do you think holds the most potential or otherwise is most compatible for a faithful and satisfying video game adaptation? What media? Okay. Yes. Which medium Medium. is best suited to be adapted into a video game? Like music? Or when they say medium. Oh, adapted into a video game. I thought it was the opposite opposite. way. Yeah. Like a format? Yes. Does a book make a better video game? Does a movie make a better? Got it. Okay. Okay. Oh, interesting. I have an answer for this, but I want to hear yours. Uh, well, let's let's just let's let's get the list together. Right? We got like, plays, we got books, we got short stories, we got movies, we got short films, cartoons, sports. 
I think sports is a medium because you can yeah. turn it into almost any. If anything, sports games are too narrow. True. Mm-hmm. We have Sims and we have arcade games, but we don't have enough sports RPGs. We we don't have enough sports first person yeah. action games. I suppose you could say uh, along the lines of like Neon White. We don't even have a sports open world uh, action adventure, yeah. uh, Grand Theft Auto, where you're a kid who plays basketball. We don't even have that. Yeah. Yeah. That's weird, isn't it? There's it is. a lack of imagination and what we could do with sports. They're trying to do more of that stuff with some of those 2Ks now, right? Like they're with the career modes and stuff. They're trying yeah, to Yeah, 2Ks yeah. and the Maddens and the FIFAs. Where you the... befriend Jake from State Farm. But it's not like the point. They've been doing those for several years now. Yeah. And they are sponsorship opportunities. Right. You mm-hmm. literally walk into casinos and pull the little uh, slot machine <laughs> to try and get game coin, virtual currency, which is used to update your character you drink a lot of gatorade mm-hmm. uh you, you wear gatorade branded items it, it's- there's the 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 news about those modes whenever there's one of those modes never extends beyond a, a single blog post that says there's this mode that's basically yeah. it yeah it's like i played the madden one and uh i felt nothing and yet uh these games are like the most profitable games every single year I think we could easily have a game as good as The Last of Us that's about a soccer player, huh? you know, right? As good as, like, as as critically acclaimed as. A game at, at easily as good as God of War 2018 that's about oh, a basketball player. Oh, my friend has not played uh, Marco and the Magic Football, it sounds like. So. Marco? I like that guy. Is that what it's called? <laughs> Did mm. I just make that up? Man, no, it's called, Marco's like... Marco's Magic Football? I don't know. Marco's something... Like, Marco's Soccer Kid? Michael Jordan, Chaos in the Windy it's City. It's called Marco's Magic Football. Didn't it also get translated into Soccer Kid or something like that? Probably. There's a soccer RPG visual novel sim on mobile. Forgive me, I don't remember its name. Uh, in which you are an older gentleman who smokes and talks to his cat that rules um and goes through existential crises and burnout in between managing a soccer team that may or may not be losing nice i mean there's fire pro wrestling games i uh, have had stories for a long time you know there's all that but yeah sports. there's deer boys we always talk about deer boys on the super nintendo remember that frank mm-hmm. deer, deer boys. boys were turn-based basketball game pretty good Mm-hmm. but there should be yeah. more well there's a captain subasa too right certainly that big old oh, captain football drama by the way the game I was just talking about. Oh, very good football drama. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I feel like the serialized anime is a good format for video game, but... They don't want to do that. That's more because of the content tending toward being written by video game people, and so it or like video game enjoyers, so it winds up being video game adjacent, so it's just easy. Um, there's always a bunch of gamey concepts in there. I think the best format... That is transferable to as makeable as a video game uh, so is uh, is car. Really easy to just make car into video yeah. game. Mobile. Yeah, to just say I'm gonna say car is video game. Okay. Yeah. I would like to make a suggestion. I think the most adaptable medium into video games is the tabletop RPG. Mm-hmm. Oh, the TTRPG. They have their own sets of rules. They have all this world building that's built into the it's setting. It's not far enough away to for me to say that, because like, put a screen element in there and then it's a video game, you know? Like, yes, it's... that's why it's so easily adaptable. I mean, Dragon Quest and Final Fantasy can be traced back to tabletop RPGs. But I'm saying I'm not sure it's far enough away that I would fully call it an adaptation, you know? It's almost mm. like like if, if I'm playing a carcassonne on on my television screen i feel like it's a port 
not an adaptation, you know? Uh, oh, would, would you call Baldur's Gate an adaptation of Dungeons & Dragons? I would call Baldur's Gate an adaptation of uh, the Forgotten Realms series of fantasy novels. Yeah. Mm. I mean, Pathfinder is more or less say, an adaptation of the tabletop rule set. Well, there you have Cyberpunk it. Cyberpunk 2077? Right. That That's very much an adaptation but, of a- but, but it's something you can play on your own, so that makes it very different. Mm. I don't know. That's true. But let me tell you, you feel like you're playing it with other people. Some of those battles are about as much fun as getting on Twitter. Massively single player. Yeah, that's my cyberpunk jokes there, everybody. Jeff, yeah, I think I was, uh, I was, I was doing you a disservice because I was sort of thinking of board games on the whole, which is a totally different thing. So no, uh, that's not what I was talking. Uh, about. But the Japanese Jinsei game, Game of Life video game, uh, is legit. One of the most popular games of all time. It's very good. All right. So that's that's a that's a board game. I th- I think the sort of like kids cartoon made for syndication, you know, or like the first season's like fifty episodes. Um, oh yeah, that adapts well into action games because it's just like they have these tight scripts and and that that mm-hmm. could just be translated into levels of an action game. Um, Ducktales, so, dude. Yeah, that moon level, that music. You hear that? That's a joke. I'm sorry. <laughs> Thank you. Did Tim fall? But each that? one of those levels is basically. Like you, you feel like it's a, it's an episode of the show, right? Because there's not much more to that show than Scrooge goes to a crazy place because he heard there's money, right? Yeah, like that that's stuck. Sometimes you learn a lesson about capitalism. Uh, yeah, you learn that at the end of this game, and sometimes you rewrite history. Uh, that's, that's that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's sort of like Monster of the Week format, I think. Yeah, that's know, good stuff. Uh, translates pretty well into a video game because because especially if it's a licensed property, you you can often tell stories that fit the canon and don't disturb anything. Mm-hmm. The actual answer is a humble rhythm game uh, because music. it's very easy to gamify music, so to speak. Oh, yeah. We've seen it many times over the years. I like that. Music is a game, yeah. Here is my next topic. What's something you wished video games would do, they eventually did, and now you've had enough? Oh, good joke. I mean, good, no, not joke, good question. Sorry, yeah, good question. <laughs> Blasted. I, I wanted basically Battlefield before Battlefield. I, I loved the idea of um, massive battlefields with tanks and, and, and planes and people on the ground all together fighting, you know, I suppose, um, <laughs> instead of making friends. I don't know. But <laughs> then I played Battlefield uh, 2042, and that game was too big. Mm-hmm. It was too big of a game. Uh, I, I think individual maps had something on the order of 128 people and what i learned was that actually um a battlefield bad company 2 was the best in the series because it was a on a smaller scale and not trying to go that big was maybe a benefit so what i once dreamed of i no longer dream of it because <laughs> i played it and it's fine yeah which of your dreams have died from overexposure <laughs> is what my I'm dream is dead here. I'm going to tell you, uh, uh, here's here's the thing for me. So I have, I have two things to say, and these are genuine answers. One is, there is a video game I have always wanted. I've wanted it since I was eight years old, and god darn nobody's ever made it. So that's why I'm making it right now. Won't get into any specifics. Number two answer, I always wanted a video game that I can get online, right? And I can play, and I can uh, buy items and change my character's clothes, and purchase a house, and uh, there's thousands of other people in there doing the same thing. I remember having this idea in the 1990s, right? Ooh, that would be so much fun to get online and play something like Legend of the Red Dragon, uh, except there's graphics, right? That would be so much fun. 
if there was a Final Fantasy. And then they god darn made a Final Fantasy fourteen, and there's just too much of it. It's a lot. In a good way, but also it's like I distinctly wanted Memorpages for a while uh, as a hypotheticality. And then the first one appeared, Ultima Online, and I was like, all right, it wasn't really a Memorpage. Let's let it let it slide, though. And then EverQuest showed up and I said, no, not that one, right? And then I saw World of Warcraft, not that one either. Kingdoms of Amalur, uh... Uh, what else was there? Uh, Lord of the Rings Online, Star Wars, The Old Republic, uh, The Matrix Online. I'm just like, no, no, no. Repeatedly. Final Fantasy XIV, why not? Right. But it's just uh, that and also Destiny. I played Fantasy Star Online and I was like, this is it. This is the future of video games. Fantasy Star Online. It's like Diablo, but it's Fantasy Star. And it's, uh, you know, you use a controller and buttons. And then there was Monster Hunter which is just perfectly Fantasy Star Online with a little bit more game design on it. And there's Destiny, which is Monster Hunter with way too much more game design put on it. And I'm just like, all right, those games are cool. And they're just kind of on the phantom shelf in the back of the bad part of my brain, you know, where I don't touch them. Thank you. That's all I have to say. Thank you. There was a time in my life when I wanted more like serious stories and serious issues to be tackled uh-huh. in video games. Um, and there had been some, but I wanted wanted that to be done with more seriousness and, and uh, with, with greater energy put toward it. And uh, now I, I uh, haven't seen the, the, the people that have been doing it, at least in the lar- in the AAA space. I think they could just not do it. <laughs> I, think, I think they could just, if you're going to do it, do it. But don't try to put it in like a goofy arcade game. Just, yeah, I don't know. Mm. It's 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 like pick your battles, pick what you're gonna do. Don't try to do it all at once. Make the like amazing deepest story ever told, but then uh, sub- accidentally subvert it by having me kill literally every person that's in the in that exists in that world. Mm. That kind of stuff. So I still want it, but I I wish people would do a better job. <laughs> All right, Frank, we got a minute left. What's yours? I mean, I think it's just a variation of what Kat said. You know, my ambitions for games when I was young. Well, it's it's also kind of what Brandon said, too. It's like giant world that I can explore forever, which I, I just do not. That's the opposite of what I want now. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And, but also, I think that games are the best medium for telling a story. I don't think that. <laughs> like, no one should think that. I don't think that's true. It, it's the best medium for having an experience, yes, but not yeah. for like telling a, a narrative story. It, uh, the game gets in the way of that. I'm pretty yeah. convinced of that at this point. Um, so uh, those two things, yeah. All right. Here's my last question before we wrap up. Imagine you were a video game news director, hypothetically. Okay. I can go back to that. I'm good. Let's go. Me too. What counts as video game news? Oh God! Oh, that's a big question. Who am I working for at this moment? Just whatever oh. gets the per- the first comment to say "slow news day." That's uh, <laughs> that's video game news to me. Okay, actually, I'm, I am going to answer this from experience, which is um, one of my two news director roles was um, what used to be called Gamasutra.com in my day, which is now GameDeveloper.com. You can't even call it Gamasutra anymore <laughs> in this world culture. What does this world come to? <laughs> <laughs> Dang leftists! I don't think anybody misses the name. I haven't. I haven't. Yeah, has anybody? It. Has anybody like like hated on them for being woke? Yes. for changing the name they have. Oh, I don't know they, about the woke part, but they've hated on them for changing the name. Yeah, 
Um, <laughs> they probably have for the woke thing, though. Oh man, yeah. Oh, so man. when I when I was there, I actually did define what a news story was, and it was based on the audience for that website. The audience for Gama Sutra was people who uh, who made or or sold games, essentially. Like those those are the two audiences. And so, in order for a story to appear on the website. Um, you had to answer yes to the question, does this story help inform people to make better games or sell more games like that? Th- those th- And that's it. Like anything else just did not count like that. that that's my answer for that specific audience. But I, I think that the answer should always be like, what is your audience? What is your goal? And if your goal is as many clicks on social media to the website as possible, that's a that's a valid goal. It, it's a terrible business, but like that, that could be a goal. It's just that has to be defined. Um, and, and that's how you define what your news stories are. Kat, I want to hear from you. Oh, OK. What you said, uh, my colleague, Reb Valentine, has a very similar uh, comment. Does this serve our readers yeah. uh, as a good test for whether or not we should be writing about a thing? Uh, going back to journalism school, uh, is it timely? Is it relevant? Uh, those are good tests. I think that there are a few different categories of journalism. There's the service stuff that's like, this game is coming out blank, release dates, that kind of thing, um, information about a game. And then there's more of the post-release, community-focused, analysis-driven, like, what's the story? What's the overarching storyline going on around this game? Let's try and cover it. What new information can we, and insight can we part, impart on this game? Why don't we in- interview a developer and uh, write a headline around that? And speaking of headlines, I think that if you can't come up with a good headline around a story, it's probably a little bit of a non-story. So ninety oh, percent yeah. is—I'm not exaggerating. To me, that was ninety percent of a news story was the headline. It's like the review score for a news story. Put a number in the headline, and it's—it becomes even more <laughs> enticing. No, it's, right? it's true. Uh, it, I mean, it is. I mean, that's not a joke. People respond to big numbers. Yeah, there's a number in there. Zelda yeah. sells 3.5 million in 32 seconds. Oh, right? It's I like hate, well, I hated those headlines. I hated number headlines. No, yeah, it's but, like those numbers don't mean anything. It's just white noise. But people click on them and they they really get they get going. But the headline could be Zelda outsells blank as opposed yeah, to that's true. sells that's true. white noise number. Love the white noise numbers though. That's my bread and butter. Yeah, but Zelda <laughs> outsells blank would have to I mean you'd have to have a real relevant blank that wouldn't be a, like a apples to oranges so pe- you, people in the comments would be like that's those aren't even I the same. I don't see why we can't compare apples to oranges. Just do what you I want. Agree. That's true. Also yeah. it's like Zelda's Fruit. opening weekend comes between blank and blank. That's a much better headline. Something like that, yeah. However many million. The thing I went for with insert credit when I was doing the news stuff was have people heard of this? Do I think that people have heard of this? So it didn't matter if it was new or timely. It was just like, if, if, if I felt that people probably didn't know about it in English, then uh, it was worth writing about. And that, that's turned out to be true for that audience, but that's, you know, we kind of constructed that audience to be that way. So, and that's always a, a question. Like if you're serving your audience, have you curated your audience, you know, to to be the audience that you want, or do you have to work with the audience that showed up that like you you might not want that audience depending on who they are? Um, and yeah, there's the, a lot of bad audiences out there. There's, there's there's some audiences you don't necessarily need to have. Um, and it's it's a, a kind of related question to me is like, do you want to have comments on your news story at this point? A game developer doesn't 
have them anymore. Gama Sutra used to. And it started to devolve to where the first comment was just like the same angry person every time. It wasn't like advancing the conversation in any way. Mm -hmm. So I guess to me, it's you want to serve your audience, but do you also want to shape your audience a little bit and try to make them into better people? <laughs> You're also <laughs> serving the industry because yeah. you are observing and commenting on and reporting on the industry and you want to do it in a way that's knowledgeable about how the video game business works, you need a what lot of the current culture is, how video games are being made. And if good journalism is speaking truth to power and being able to inform people, like it's quite important that you maybe approach your journalism from that respect. And I think the uh -huh. games media in general started as a, a hobbyist concern and it started out as a promotional concern and it's struggled forward over the years and taken some steps forward and some steps back. I think there's a certain segment that really deeply wants to be quote unquote real journalists. And there's a certain segment that still cling to more of the hobbyist approach. And um, right now there's a great culling of games websites, unfortunately. For sure. Yeah. Not that and great. And, I, <laughs> and I've, I've been wondering actually, if you have thoughts about this working at IGN, because IGN, as I've perceived it, has gotten more into the like culture website arena versus you know games website first and foremost and you know if that if that assessment is correct then it sort of also changes your audience and how you speak to them because you're you're speaking not just to the person who intrinsically knows every element of every game you're talking about to people who like wandered here from a marvel review or something marvel movie <laughs> no, review it's true i mean uh, ign's been covering entertainment for 20 years but you know in terms of building my team um, we have to be able to cover entertainment, tech, even science, mm -hmm. in addition to games. And that's a that's a really broad remit. Um, yeah. You have whole websites, you have whole publications dedicated entirely uh, to tech. So what you end up having is um, Alex Dedman's on the entertainment beat. She does a phenomenal job there. Reb is like focusing on, on games. We just added Taylor Lyle. She's focusing on tech. And... You're right that our audience is a is, is a catch-all. I think that IGN very much serves um, fandoms a lot of mm -hmm. the time. It's a big fandom-oriented site. You could say it's a big hobbyist-oriented site. Uh, so it moves, and so that tends to uh, color our news coverage. Uh, though we also um, can be a little bit of an industry trade at times. <laughs> yeah, you're kind of trying to do everything all at once. I do want to ask one more thing before we go on to our lightning round. Did everyone here always know what IGN stood for before looking it up? I did, uh, yeah. Yeah, Igan. Yeah. I was there from the very <laughs> beginning. Imagine Games yeah. Network. Yep. Uh, no, not always, no. And in fact, I was only just reminded. Day yeah. one, Jerry, day uh, one. We celebrated our 25th anniversary, and Per Schneider gave us a big history presentation about uh, IGN over the years. It was actually kind of interesting. Yeah, I always assumed it was like international gaming news or something. Mm -hmm. It's short for Ignis. Well, there was a publisher called Imagine. Yeah. Type of rock. That made a, published magazines like uh, Game Players, Ultra Game Players. No. I think Frank's a fan of Ultra Game Players, aren't you? Uh, I don't know about fan of. Really. <laughs> <laughs> they were all right. Let's don't hate on Ultra oh, Game I, Players. Oh, I wasn't they reading were... it back then, so I can only look at it now. Uh, you know, well, they were they were pretty legit. 
Um, right. So that's basically where IGN came from, and that's why I was sure. reading. The, that's the reason I was reading IGN on day one. So. IGN64.com. But I, I, I famously did not know what uh, that the GIA was the GIA, and I called it Thegia. So. Thegia. Thegia. Yeah, yeah, we've talked about that before. Yeah. The Gaming Intelligence uh, Agency. It's time for our lightning round. Uh, this week's lightning round was submitted by Yeso, one of our patrons at patreon.com slash insert credit. Oh, that dirt bag. Just give us a few dollars a month and you'll get access to the form where you can submit your own questions and topics, uh, get monthly bonus episodes, and our regular episodes ad-free. Uh, this week, as per Yeso's suggestion, we're playing Brian Eno's Oblique Strategies. I'm going to generate one of musician and producer Brian Eno's 100 broad creative suggestions he wrote to encourage lateral thinking in the 1970s. Okay. And we're going to use each of them as a principle for designing a new video game. Okay. I bought Brian Eno's um, video that is in Tate mode. It's so cool. Mm -hmm. he, made, he made a Tate VHS, so you're supposed to put your TV on its side to view it correctly. That's pretty legit. Our rules. Good job, Sounds Brian. Sounds like Brian's up to, up to some stuff. Our first suggestion is think of the radio. Think of the radio. That's one of his uh, his yeah, guiding is that, is lateral that, is that thinking. Silent Hill. Is he talking about Silent Hill? Game you have to think of the radio. So uh, Metal Gear Solid more. So yeah, right. <laughs> uh, these these, these are the, sure. I mean, I, I think what's interesting about outrun. the radio it's is outrun, is, actually. is like tuning it and and finding broadcasts from beyond. You know, so mm. like. Yeah. Um, so uh -huh. I, I think it's a it's a, it's a it's a game about uh, I don't know finding ghosts or something right like like mm. it's, it's something where you're it always feels like there's there's infinite weirdness to tune into. Sure. I would play a visual novel about being a disc jockey. Ooh, <laughs> yeah. like that. that'd be good. I think you should be able to tweak the radio knob on the Outrun cabinet, uh, and <laughs> as you drive across the country, uh, the radio stations should cut uh, in and out. And uh, yeah. if the music dies, you die. So you have to find the music whilst drifting. That's thinking of the radio. To, to me, the, the radio was, uh, growing up in the Bay Area, the radio was like a place to learn about new music and things. Uh -huh. Because like they were playing a lot of cool, interesting stuff all the time. They were playing a lot of Monster Truck Rally commercials uh, also. They 100% were playing Monster Truck Rally commercials. Yes, they were. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Your next one is, you can only make one dot at a time. One dot? That's packed. So not the game two dots then, I suppose. <laughs> Certainly not. Uh, so he's basically saying you should, make, you should make misleading <laughs> videos for Instagram about your game that don't show what it actually is that's how two dots so yeah i think i think he's talking about like those um you shouldn't do that i'm saying those those like quote satisfying videos where you can cut into something and you see the inside of it like excuse me those this. are oddly satisfying yeah they're oddly satisfying. not normal uh, satisfying. don't like that i don't uh, like oddly satisfying <laughs> stuff your next one is cut a vital connection Cut a vital connection. Oh, that's like cut the rope game. Yeah, it's cut the rope. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah, cut a vital connection though is like you you know how it's it's really popular to um, have relationship building in video games. It's it's the opposite. You have to you you have to break up with a lot of people. So it's like opposite of relation. It's relationship destroying, bridge burning. Well, I, I don't think that's the opposite because typically you do have to sort of sacrifice one relationship for another. Mm, it depends. 
Even a game like Death Stranding, where it's all about making connections, there's never a, you, you're never a, a pitched to having to uh, cut one of the connections to uh, for the yeah. sake of anything else. Yeah, it's unusual, so genuinely, it would be something. Mm. All right. The most important thing is the thing most easily forgotten. Oh, that's a Sierra Adventure game. That's then where, I already like, forgot you, about you, it. There was a, a, a paperclip uh, in a desk drawer at the beginning of the game, and you're now oh, at the yeah. end of the game, and you need a paperclip. Yeah. yeah, I like that. It's a good that's... guiding principle for mystery writers. Uh, it's just memory. Well. The, the game memory where you got to flip the cards over. <laughs> I just flipped that one. <laughs> Accept advice. Oh, a video game designed around accepting advice. Uh, that's god darn. That's the uh, that's the whole from software. Uh, Dark Souls Averse. Oh yeah. Uh, is uh, you have to the the god darn hints are part of the story. Uh, yeah. The god darn watching a YouTube video is part of the game. The god darn uh, summoning a ghost uh, wolf to help you is part of the game. It's not I cheating. Would, uh, when I my first thought was like therapy. And to my knowledge, uh, I don't know of any video games. You mean about... the band? That's a joke because you said it with a question mark. I don't going. know of any games about being a therapist or being in therapy. And it seems like a lot of gamers need therapy. So maybe that one. Oh, have you played Eliza? <laughs> no, I haven't. It's it's really good. You should check it out. It's, it's I played a, that game. It's about therapy and tech. There you go. And uh, and it's 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 really good. It's written by Matthew Burns. Who does does. A, Good job. Right. I stuff. went to an event where he talked about that game here in New York City. New York, New York City. City. I don't went there. <laughs> the Strand Bookstore. Y'all ever been there? Mm-hmm. Million, a million miles of books, or whatever it is they they sloganize with. Uh, um, anyway, giving people advice. I think it's cool, like strategy games where you give orders to units. Uh, I like the strategy games like Armodyne, where you give someone a long term goal and then they accomplish bits of it over turns. Uh, I like the idea of like just suggesting stuff to people and then they behave semi uh, procedurally. And then uh, they go, I can't do that right now. So there's like a therapy game where you're a therapist and you have like 12 patients and you read the newspaper every day. I don't Peter know. Peter Molyneux's Black and White in which you have a an animal that you try to give suggestions to, but it kind of does its own thing for the most part. That, but good. The Last Guardian. I'm glad we got Peter Molyneux and David Cage both in this uh, in this episode. Yeah. It, it, yeah and insert credit staple. Our favorite dudes <laughs> in quotes. What wouldn't you do? What wouldn't I do? Hmm. A game about overcoming your 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 hangups or finding a way to um, uh, push through and um, become a better person, leveling up. That sounds a lot better than what I had, which is uh, an advert game about an advert game about that delightful treat, the the Klondike bar. No, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'll have right. to say the Klondike bar game. Okay, uh, uh, let's do one more. Uh, this one is just the word water. Water? Yeah, it just says water. Uh, Wave Race 64? Wave yeah. Race 64 is good. good. Wind Waker as well. Water so real, it makes us thirsty. IGN.com, back of box quote. That's my favorite joke. People actually Our believe that IGN demand. said that once. A game about water security, uh, if we want to be depressing. Let's see. Let's be of depressing. Of course we do. Yeah. Wait, I, I want to say something about back of the box quote. Um, Please do. 
Ye- yesterday I found that the reprint of the book Console Wars has a positive quote from me from my negative review on Kotaku.com. <laughs> oh, that, <laughs> oh, that's really good. Oh, that's hilarious. So good. <laughs> that's how it works. That's the first time that's happened to me and I'm delighted. That's our episode. It's time for recommendations. Oh, I, I need to decide a winner of the episode. Uh, uh, don't bother. Yeah, I won't bother. Whatever. Decide it later. <laughs> I'll I'll figure it out. It's time for us all to make our recommendations. If there's anything that you'd like our audience to check out in any medium or any form of action, this is the point to do it, whether it's something you're working on or something you just think people would enjoy or benefit from. Now's the time to make yourself heard. I forgot to mention that it was the insert credit anniversary uh, like a month ago. <laughs> Hooray! Month and three days ago, yeah. So, um, that that that's something I recommend. Twenty-two years that you continue to listen to this if we keep doing it. Uh, I recommend you listen to my podcast. It's about RPGs. Yes. Uh, we try to we try to go those. relatively deep. It's an interesting uh, show. I, I would actually recommend checking out episode four hundred. Um, we had uh, Felipe Pepe on who did the CRPG book and really kind of dove into the the meaning of the genre the history of the genre really touched on a lot of points and uh, it's a it's a rich discussion topic and it's fueled a lot of episodes of podcasts so go check it out axe of the blood god neat uh i'm gonna recommend uh my other podcast video game history hour um specifically the episode where we had felipe pepe uh on to talk about his rpg book (laughs) nice If you listen listen to those back to back, you're gonna have a real probably probably a pretty good time, actually. Yeah, Yeah. spicy. Listen to both of those. Yeah, you got boxes full of Pepe. He's a great guest. He he was a great guest. Yeah, I got to get him back. Yeah, I feel like I should. I usually recommend things. The the only thing I actually watched this week because I've been deep in the trenches was I Am a Hero. Uh, not too bad. Not too bad. It's a live action adaptation of a manga about a regular man who happens to have a skeet shooting license who uh, I like it so far uh, enters the zombie apocalypse it's a, it's kind of interesting it's kind of weird I'm, I'm i'm not recommending it in my usual way of here's something for weirdos here's here's a normal movie you could enjoy give it a look why not here's my recommendation if you enjoyed this episode of insert credit and i hope you did please rate and review our show wherever and however you can you could also support us on patreon.com slash insert credit, where you could become a patron to submit your own questions, listen to monthly bonus episodes, and get our regular weekly episodes ad-free. You can also join our community at forums.insertcredit.com and send all business inquiries to show at insertcredit.com or find a video of this episode on YouTube. This episode is edited by Esper Quinn with music by Kurt Feldman. I'm Alex Jaffe. I'm Frank Cifaldi. I'm Tim Rogers. I'm Brandon Sheffield. And I'm Kat Bailey. And send in your letters to get Tears of the Kingdom at 10, 11 out of 10. said jeff yeah. well said that was and this is me stumbling over my sign off <laughs> i panicked and forgot to write one <laughs> shoot